Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Hey, it's great to be part of today. I love Pastor Josh and Pastor Derek. They're dear, dear friends of mine. And um, just always enjoy getting a phone call or an opportunity to be together and uh, to be there. So I'm happy to be here. It's my first time here at Redeeming Hope, even though I've uh, served on the board for a year or so. And uh, so so good to see what the Lord is doing among you. Uh, it is amazing. It's I've been a part of church planning for 17 years. The last 17 years, I was a lead pastor for 17. And I was a youth pastor for not another 17, but nine years before that. And so it's just with great joy that we come and be a part and hear what God is doing and see what he, what's taking place. So if you turn to your, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, 35. 13 years ago, my brother who was just born within a year of me I was a little older than him, but not much. We were what's called Irish twins. Uh, that's those people that were born about a, within a year's time. Uh, apparently, there wasn't much TV going on during that time of the... And we, we did everything together. Uh, people mistook us for each other and would call us by the other person's name. Uh, we looked alike. And 13 years ago, he died, tragically, suddenly. Um, in, a, in a horrific way. I was in England at the time, and he was, he was texting me prior, just prior to his death, and it was, I couldn't even say goodbye in person. Um, and it was horrible. Well, a few months later, I was at the home of John and Sherry in New York City, and Sherry asked me, she said, how are you doing uh, with what's taking place with your, your brother? And I told her, I'm okay, which is what we tell people when we don't know if they really genuinely care about how we feel or what's going on in our lives. We just say, I'm okay. And she looked at me right in the eyes, down into the soul, and she's, she was in ministry herself. And she says, how are you really doing? What are you feeling? What emotions are you experiencing? What thoughts have you had since he died? I mean, she was asking me those questions. And while she was asking me the question, and I was unburdening my soul to her, and I did. I didn't stand off and say, I'm okay, let's leave me alone. You know, shut up, Sherry. Um, I didn't do any of that. I was unburdening myself to her. And while she was talking to me and sharing scripture and just the tone and the look and the attentiveness to her, this is what I had two thoughts. In the moment, I had two thoughts. This is what God's compassion feels like. And in the moment, I felt like, you know, sometimes you, you have conversations you go like, that was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty profound. But while I'm talking to her, I'm going like, this is what God's compassion feels like. And the second thing I thought in that moment was, this is so rare. 
I can't recall maybe one other time beside my wife and Sherry's encounter of when I felt compassion from others. Why is that? Why is that the way that it is when it, when the compassion of God is so, so clear? And so that's what I want to look at today in Matthew 9. And I'm calling this Christ is our compassion or compassion of Christ. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's read the passage in Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore... Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The first thing I look at is that Christ sees our suffering and pain. Christ sees our suffering and our pain. Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. The good news is for all people. Jesus went through all of the cities, all of the villages, proclaiming this good news. This good news is for for all people. It was comprehensive. It was intentional. It was for all ethnicities. It was for all social economic ages and groups of people. It was all for all backgrounds of religion and us. Good news is for all people. And and that's good news. I grew up in a a law-based church. If you're not familiar with that, just count yourself lucky. But a law-based church has this checklist. In fact, when I grew up, there was these offering envelopes that were called graded envelopes. And you would grade yourself based on what you did. And you would get, you check mark if you brought my Bible, attended Sunday school, brought an offering. Um, There was a number of things that you would just check mark. And they were called called graded envelopes. This was a law-based. And so... Compassion was as far away as forever. You, good, the good news was for good people. In, in the church I grew up in. The good news is for good people. But the good news is for all people. The good news is for bad people. Because we're all bad. We're all complete idiots. All the time. And the minute we figure that out, the better life is going to be. That's what the good news is. This good news, we needed the good news because we were in a bad news scenario. It was for all people. Good news is for all suffering. He healed every disease and every affliction or sickness. Nothing is outside of the healing touch of Jesus. The good news is for, for all suffering. And all of us, every day, suffer. Now, if you're young and athletic and amazing, you don't quite understand this fully, perhaps. Maybe you do, because you experience defeat. You, you experience insecurity. You experience 
all that's going on when you get to be my age is like it every day is a struggle even to, just to get out of bed and go like how did i sprain my ankle in the night <laughs> what was i doing that i cannot walk upright my wife asked me the other day she said what's going on what what are you, why are you groaning well that's what you do when you're an old man is you groan you groan when you sit you groan when you stand up that, that's just what you do and I go, I don't know, I woke up. I must have had this an amazing, amazing, I kicked a field goal. I did something that hurt my ankle <laughs> last night. But it's, it's not just physical, it's psychological, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional. Every disease, every healing of every kind of affliction, the good news is for all suffering and all of us suffer at some point in our relationships, financially, making ends meet with, with other people, with struggles with there, with things at work, with things in the neighborhood, with things all over. We're, we're, all of us are struggling in some way. This good news is for everybody, and the good news is for all suffering, no matter what it is. And the good news is for all sin. It says he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? What's that different from the gospel? The gospel of the kingdom is there's a king. He's in charge. We're not. That's the good news. The good news is for all sin. All of us sin, just as all of us suffer and all of us need this good news, all of us sin. We choose to sin. Sometimes, sometimes we sin because we go, How did, why did I just do that? I, I have this presence in my mind always thinking like I am going to be, I call it personal holiness or godliness. I want to live a godly life and live in personal holiness. And at times, you know, you just, you get outside of that. And, and, and I'm intentional about it. I want to be godly. I want to be holy. And, and I strive for that the best I can. And then still something will come out of either my thought, my mouth, my whatever. I just was like, it just happens. Good news is for, for all sin. The good news is he's the king and he set up the kingdom and he forgives us of all our misdeeds as we trust in him. And we don't have to trust in ourselves. And that king has made us free in, our, in the kingdom. You're a part of the kingdom. See, the, being a part of the God's kingdom is he's allowed us into his kingdom. And we get to live as free, not bound and bond and slaves. So Christ sees our suffering and pain. He sees it. Christ sees our pain and he feels compassion. Verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I notice Jesus saw the crowds because he was looking at them. He was looking at them. He was looking to discern their needs. Compassion means 
that you felt this compassion. Compassion means your needs become my needs. Your suffering becomes my suffering. Your rejoicing becomes my rejoicing. We can either have compassion for those things. We, we enter into another person and we take action. The Lord saw them. He was looking at them, seeing what was going on. And the Lord sees what we're going through and feels this compassion. It doesn't start with a feeling. It starts with a decision. It's like, I'll be compassionate when I feel this compassion. It starts with a decision to be compassionate it starts with a decision to look at other people. And if we look at other people, truly look at what's taking place with other people, we're going to feel this compassion and we can't help it. I had conversations this morning that were like drawing out compassion in my heart. I was, I was broken up over a situation. Someone was telling me even this morning, someone that's a part of your congregation that you probably see and you, you know about, God, like if you just look at other people, the Lord is looking at us and he's looking deeply into us like Sherry looked into my soul and said, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, doing okay. And we tell each other that when we come together as, as the body, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing amazing. Better than I deserve. Cliche. Might as well just say, cliche of your choice. <laughs> just pick one because we're not doing okay. And that the Lord sees it and he feels this compassion. Do you understand that? The Lord, and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. What are sheep without a shepherd? <laughs> they're helpless. They're defenseless. Have you ever seen a sheep? Like not everybody's seen a sheep. Um, I lived in Idaho for a, a time as I was leading as a pastor there. Um, this lady called me and said, uh, hey, my husband just died. And so I show up at their farm and sure enough, the husband had died and was there on the ground. Uh, I don't know why they, she called me first instead of somebody else who could do something about this. I pull up in my little Toyota and she'd be you know, like, I can't do anything with that. What are you asking me for? But what was strange was, I remember, was there were, there, were, there were sheep. And there was a sheep in the house even. Like they were a part of the family. They weren't a threat. I, don't, I still don't understand. There, there are mysteries in this world. And that was one of them. And it remains one of them. But it's like, they're, they're defenseless. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have like porcupine things. And they... they they, they can't club you. They can't. You, do you know what sheep can do? They don't even have like a skunk smell where you're like, I'm staying away. I'm staying away. No. What sheep can do, the best they can do, is flee or huddle up. That's their only defense. So when scripture says flee temptation, he's seeing us as the sheep. In fact, over 300 times in scripture, we're called Sheep, defenseless, helpless, in need of a shepherd. And the only defense we have is not to stand up against Satan and his enemies, is sometimes to flee. We don't stand up against the enemy, Christ does. 
He is the conquering one. And we stand behind him. And then we flock together. When you're flocking together as sheep, there's safety. It's when a sheep wanders. You know that, that song, we're prone to wander. When it wanders, then that's when the enemy, the prey will come upon the sheep and take the one who's alone. And what does God tell us to do? Gather yourself together. What does he call us? The flock of God. And what are we to do? Come together. That's where we find our protection. And he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Helpless. Harassed. That word harassed is a picture of being wounded, being cut open, going through thorny, thorny bushes and things, and they'd be torn up. And a shepherd would anoint them with oil, take care of them, bandage them. They're helpless. Uh, the idea is that they're cast down, that they're prone down, that a, a sheep that is down on the ground, face down, is helpless. And it's, it's bound to prey and other people killing that, that sheep and coming upon it. And Jesus looks at us and said, I have compassion on you because you're wounded, because you're you have depressed, you are oppressed, you are cast down, and I have compassion on you, like sheep without a shepherd. I I grew up in athletics, I played basketball, and we would play all kinds of teams all over the state of Colorado. I grew up in Colorado and in Fort Collins, we'd play in a, a team in Fort Collins, and they were the Fort Collins Lambkins. <laughs> like the Wildcats, the Tigers, the Eagles, the Lambkins. Like you go like, oh no, we're going to play the Lambkins. It's, it's like playing the Dolphins, right? <laughs> The Broncos aren't very fierce. <laughs> Nobody fearing them this year either. But it's like, well, what's the fear there? There is no natural defense. And he's saying, come together. The, your natural defense, come together. Be together. In Istanbul, Turkey, there were several flocks of sheep that were gathered together. And the shepherds decided, we're just going to have a little breakfast. And the first sheep goes off the edge of the cliff, 50 feet to its death. And as sheep go, when one goes down, they followed. And there were 500 sheep that went off this cliff and died. In total, there were 1,600 sheep that went down. The other 1,100 had, as it were, cushion from the other sheep. <laughs> And, and didn't die, but they ended up being, it cost them $100,000. And, and we're like sheep. Jesus said, we're like sheep. We're prone to wander. We're going to just, one goes off the edge and we go like, let's go. And we end up at the bottom of a ravine and go, how'd this happen? Why did I follow that guy? Goats are fine by themselves, but sheep need to come together. And Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. 
He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And so Jesus is the good news we need. And he's the shepherd. And he's our shepherd. The Lord is my 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 shepherd. I shall not want. He will lead us. We must follow. Well, compassion is Christ. Compassion is Christ. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When I was a kid, I had a dog named Heidi. Heidi was a Boston Terrier. Now, Boston Terriers have their teeth out front here like this, and um, she was this ugly dog. Um, <laughs> tail was cut off. Uh, we didn't cut it off. Uh, whoever had it cut it off, and it was like it was just, it was just Heidi, right? And it was our favorite dog ever. Heidi would, I was just a little kid, and Heidi would, some dogs aren't allowed on the bed, Anybody allow their dog on the bed? Okay, God bless you. I see that hand. Um, <laughs> like, do you have any choice? Like, you don't have any choice. At this point, you don't have choice. You can't break a dog. Anyway, not only was Heidi allowed on the bed, like when we were sleeping, but Heidi, because she had the small fur as a Boston Terrier, she would go under the covers where it was warmer. I mean, this is the kind of dog, and she was my dog would sleep with me under the covers, and uh, this was it. Well, we took her to my aunt and uncle's house, and she got out, didn't know the neighborhood, didn't have a fence, and it ran out in the street, got hit by a car. And there she was, crying, out in the street. And I see it, and I go running out. I was about nine years old. And I remember I picked her up. I'm feeling it right now, just thinking about this. I picked her up and she's, she started to like nip at me because she was hurting and I carried her into the house and, and put her in. And I started crying. You know, of course, I gave her, handed her over to the adults and I'm standing in the back, the corner, just bawling. Why was I bawling? It, the car didn't hit me and it's just a dog. It's not. I'm just doing that for the story. But it's like, it's, sorry, you understand. Yeah. I'm going, I didn't get hit. I was going to be fine. Why was I crying? It's called compassion. Her needs became my needs. Compassion, the word is, it's from the Latin, passio, which means suffer. The, this, the movie, The Passion of Christ, is the suffering of Christ. The suffering and the calm, compassion, calm, the prefix, means together. You suffer together. That's what you do. By the way, Heidi lived. Uh, for those who are on edge here, Heidi and she, they put a pin in her and, um, she, she was. She lived a long life um, after that. 
Sorry, I didn't tell you that part. But anyway, um, <laughs> compassion is you come together, you suffer together with another person. And that could be coming with them by the arm, using your words to speak encouragement to them. Could be coming to their rescue and helping them financially or some other resource, giving them a place to live and such. We, we, compassion is suffering together. Christ has suffered together with us. On the cross, Christ suffered with us. He took our suffering for us. He took it away from us. Compassion is Christ. In the Bible, uh, we see compassion. It's, it's associated always with God, Jesus, or a picture of God through a parable and such. And so there's a couple of them I see here. Uh, we've got a slide. I think we do. If we don't, we failed. Okay. Let's look at this next one. See if it's on there. If not, it's fine. Okay. In Matthew 14, Jesus saw a great multitude. He felt compassion and he healed their sick. In Matthew 15, Jesus had compassion for the multitude of, and their need to eat. So he, he provided a miracle of 4,000. In Matthew 18, the parabolic king had compassion for the man who was deeply indebted to him and he released him from the debt. In Matthew 20, Jesus met two blind men on the road to Jericho and he had compassion on them and he opened their eyes. Matthew 23, Jesus felt compassion for Jerusalem and he said he wanted to gather them together like a hen does with her chicks. In Luke 7, 13, Jesus saw the widow's dead son and had compassion. He told her, don't cry, and he raised him from the dead. Luke 10, Jesus praises the action of the good Samaritan who showed compassion to the injured man while religious people ignored him. He said, which is the neighbor? It's the one who showed compassion. In Luke 15, 20, the prodigal son's father saw him returning, and he said, when he saw him afar off, he had compassion and he ran, embraced him and kissed him and fell to the ground. Compassion is a divine nature. It is suffering together. No other religious system includes compassion, but Christianity is compassion. At its root, it is compassion. The cross is compassion. It's Christ suffering for us. Butch Nelson and his wife, Heidi, were their, their music worship leaders in Phoenix, Arizona. And they had six children. And off they go up to Flagstaff to enjoy a weekend together with the kids. They pulled a trailer and Butch was getting the trailer ready and they had a little baby. The youngest uh, had a little baby and then the other ones went off to play. And so she, she turns and looks and comes back around and doesn't see the youngest of the older group. And can't find him. Like he disappeared. Where did he go? 
And they looked and couldn't find him. They hollered and couldn't find him. Asked the other kids. Well, I don't know. Of course, that's how kids are. Like, I don't know. Like, am I my brother's keeper? Where, where is this little boy? I, I don't know. He was just here and he was gone. Panic sets. And they, they called 911. They called the search and rescue of that area. They said, it's going to take us time to get there. We can't get there right away. And hour after hour and Butch, you know, ran off into the woods uh, looking for his son and just, just frantic of all that was taking place. And Heidi, of course, was beside herself. She was texting people and calling people and telling them to pray, 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 pray that we can find our little boy. And uh, finally, the search and rescue got there and the helicopters got there and they were looking and trying to find. And they, they used infrared and couldn't, because the little boy couldn't find any infrared off of, off a young little body only two years old and off he was gone they couldn't find him and they were having trouble even these professionals who knew those parts of the woods and the forest and such and where we can't find it and butch was just running frantically the dad all throughout just like uh, i can't imagine the feeling that was taking place and finally is it getting get a little darker one of the search and rescue starts praying and said, Lord, we're running out of time. This boy is yours. Lead me to him. And all of a sudden he went to a place where it was out of, because they know like where time, what time did he leave? Where were they? The mileage, all kinds. They, they know which direction that they would normally go downhill. Instead, this search and rescue went outside of the book, outside of, where they normally would go. He went uphill to a place and there he found that little boy sitting there, dirty diaper, mud, dirt all over his face, but he, he was safe. They picked him up and grabbed him and brought him back. And they called for Butch out in the woods and Butch came back running. And they, of course they brought him in. The boy was perfectly fine. No, nothing, no scratches, nothing. It's like, it's pretty cool. I was out doing my thing. And he had a good old time. He had no idea. But Butch ran. And he ran. And I, I even have a, I didn't bring one, but I have a video of this where dad sees his son for the first time. And he just screamed his name out and grabbed him and embraced him and held him as tight as he could and began to cry. That's the compassion of a father. And the compassion of a heavenly father is even greater than that. Do you understand that? When we're lost, when we're away, when we're hurting, when we're suffering, when we have insecurity, our heavenly father's compassion is searching and seeking and wanting and longing to come and suffer with us and take away our suffering and to be with us and make sure we're safe. Do you, do you get that? When I was in college, I was on a basketball scholarship and thought I was pretty cool. Playing basketball, doing my thing, living a life of sin, and the Lord was trying to rescue me because he had great compassion on my life. 
I knew the Lord, but I ran from him. In that moment, I was running away. I didn't need him. Come on. I'm the starting point guard of the basketball team. I'm doing good. Like, I don't need God. And he came and he said, no, she do. Come. I didn't come. And so before the first game of the year, I... I break my ankle. Like doing a drill, we, I thought, coach, this is dumb. I don't want to do this. Do it. Broke my ankle. So he's going like, uh, I'll take away that which you think is your king, that which you are worshiping. I'll take it away. We go to a, a girls basketball game, a bunch of us as players, and we, we're in a car and I'm driving and the snow, and the road went this way, and I went this way. Because uh, I couldn't turn with the snow and the ice. I just off into the ditch I went. And he said, do I have your attention yet? And the guy who owned the car said, don't worry about it. I got insurance, that's what it's for. Love you. Got off the hook. And then coming home from college that First year at the end of college, I'm with my two buddies in the car, in the truck, my truck, and driving down the road, and I hit the back of a van. I fell asleep, hit the back of a van, didn't know what I hit. Van is off into the woods. Had I gone right just behind it, or right in front of it, you know, 15, 17, I don't know, this was in the 70s, it was probably 30 foot long, this van, but you know how they are, bigger or anything. But, Anyway, I, I would have been fine. I would have been like, whew, we made it again. We escaped. But the Lord said, no, I'm having a hard time getting your attention. And because of my great compassion for you, because I'm coming on this rescue mission for you, I want you to hit the back of that van solid. So solid, by the way, that this van went way out into the, the, the field. It didn't turn over because it was just flat. It was Colorado, you know, just, just flat. And off it went, way out there, and they're hollering, and I'm going like, I got my own problem. I hit something. I don't know what I hit. And <laughs> it was them. And that's when the Lord got a hold of me. I tried to get out of the truck. I couldn't get out of the truck. I had to roll the window down to climb out. I climb out, and I couldn't stand up. I'm on my knees. I couldn't stand up. I'm trying to get up. I can't. Maybe it, maybe it was shock, whatever, but I couldn't stand up on my own feet. These feet that run and jump and dunk and do the thing that I need to do, be this athlete, I couldn't stand up on these legs on my own. And so there on the side of the road, I tucked the other knee under and I said, okay, God, I know you're after me. I know you're trying to get my attention. I'm yours, whatever you want. And immediately I stood up not trying to be mystical, maybe it was shock, but it was meaningful to me. And the Lord said, you try to stand up on your own feet, you can't get up. Give me your strength and I'll let you stand. And that point forward, I began to follow Jesus and I've not strayed since. I tripped, broke my ankle, metaphorically, 
I fell down, but he's kept me going from that point forward. The Lord said, I have compassion on you. And so this is what I'm doing to try to get your attention because you're hard-headed. You're a, you're a dude who's an athlete that thinks they're strong. Don't need me. You need me. And I'm going to go for you and I'm not going to give up. I'm being relentless in my love and compassion for you. And he pulled me back to himself. Sometimes the things we're going through isn't because God doesn't love us. It's because he loves us so much that his compassion is trying to reach us and get into our heart where we can, he can only speak to us. Finally, now, if God is compassionate and he is, we can be compassionate to others. We are Christ's compassionate labors. We can be the ones who serve other people. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for harassed and helpless like they're sheep without a shepherd. And so he said, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. The therefore is because compassion always has action. You can't be like a southerner and say, what do they say in the south? Y'all learned this yet from New York when they say, oh, bless her heart. <laughs> I had to learn. I, Colorado, they don't say things like that. Um, and, and I had to learn here, oh, bless her heart. And you go like, oh, they're being so kind by saying bless her heart. What it means is just a sarcastic, like they're a fool. They're messed up. Bless their heart. Like they're on their own. But compassion always has action. And the Lord said they're helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Therefore, we need to pray the Lord of the harvest. He'll send labors into his harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he's called us. He's called us to do what we do to show compassion. And when we show compassion, that's when the world goes, ooh, I don't, I don't have a category for this. I've been a Christian forever. And it's rare. It should be normal that we have compassion of other people being shown upon us every day. Butch and Heidi could have said, oh, well, we got five other kids. Uh, you know, our two-year-old, it's just a bonus, right? No one's gonna miss him. I hope he makes it back. They didn't, they didn't say that. That compassion was going after it. There was action that followed their compassion. So, we look in our neighborhoods. What do you see? Jesus said he, he looked and he saw. I was talking to a pastor this week. We were at Starbucks because we couldn't find good coffee. But anyway, we were, we were there. And I said, I said, look at this. Look at, look at everybody around here. And nobody was talking to each other. There are people on their computer. There were several people that were on their phone. And they were across from each other and both of them were on their phone. Shock, I know. <laughs> Never happens. But they're on their phone. 
And they're like, they're not looking at each other. They've got headphones on. They're whatever. Like, I told him, I said, there's nobody looking and going like, what, what's their story? What's their story? What do they need? And Jesus said he looked at them and he saw that they were helpless and harassed. He didn't just see them as figures. He sees us. He sees us into our heart. What is going on? And he sees us where we are. And he's moved with compassion for us. We can do the same thing with others. We're his compassion. We're his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears. We listen. We care. We do what we can. We call for an army. We say, search and rescue, come. We got to rescue this person. And the church said, like, we, we got a big need. We got to meet. Let's address it. Let's go for it. Compassion. Come on, let's go. If we love our neighbor, we need to remove thy earbuds. If we love thy neighbor, we need to sit on thy porch. Jesus said, love your neighbors. Actions required. We are going to suffer together with our presence, with our words, with our hands, with our resources, with our hug. We're going to show compassion. The question is, will you be his, his worker? When I was going through college, I was a construction laborer. It was the lowest of the low. The laborer <laughs> would do whatever the carpenter didn't want to do. And he'd say, go get this, go get that. One day they said, go get a sky hook. Just so you know, I didn't know at the time, there's no such thing as a sky hook. A second time, we go, go get the board stretcher. <laughs> and I'm looking all through the trailer for a board stretcher. They come back and they're laughing, laughing, laughing. Yeah, then one day I said, I need you to build a gusset. And I just, I go, you're not getting me again. But there is such thing as a gusset. I, I didn't know. That was back before you could actually Google Skyhook and board stretcher and gusset because um, we didn't have phones. We, we didn't have phones. There's no such thing as phones back then. It's, will you be the laborer though? Because the laborer's like, we go like, it's, I'm nothing. And the Lord's saying, no, no. This is my harvest. You get to serve for me. I need your hands your feet, your resources, your mouth, your ears. I need you to be my compassionate servant, labor for me. Will you be that one? And will you be that one? Compassionate labor for the Lord, not trying to get prestige, just, just you doing for the Lord. He'll use that. The church needs it. The world needs it. It needs you. Will you be his servant? Father, thank you for your word to us, your kindness. Lord, here we are. Send us. Don't let us get distracted on everything that's going on in our life. Help us to look up and see the things around us. Give us a heart for compassion for the lost, heart to care for those who need healing, in fact, Lord, 
one of the values of this church is if you're hurting, you're welcome here. Let us, let us do something about that. You know, it's just you're welcome here, but you're served here. You're loved here. You are one of us. Make us available for the king, for your harvest. Let us suffer with others for your glory and your honor as you suffered with us for your glory and your honor and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.